This is Grown Up and Grounded. I'm Trish, the mom of this mother-daughter duo, and Kate and I are happy that you're here to join us for today's conversation. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Uh, we're here today to talk about an article from the website tinybuddha.com. Well, basically, we're here to talk about overthinking mm-hmm. things, and it's going to tie into mm-hmm. we're using that as a reference, an article. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I should start by giving the article information. It's from tinybuddha.com. I think it's more of a blog post. I think that's kind of how this website works. Um, yeah, how, it seems like it. Yeah. How to Get Out of Your Head and Stop Overthinking by Jackie Exton. Thank you, Jackie. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank this- you, Jackie. <laughs> this is something that both Kate and I are guilty of. I think every human being is guilty of it at some point, but some more extreme or more often than others. You agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I think that that's actually sort of what the article talks about too. Like, you know, it, 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 it talks about basically the way to deal with your overthinking is by accepting that your brain is constantly going to be going and you can either pay attention to it or not. And I think that that's, why some people have it worse than others because some people really hone in on that and some people don't. And maybe some people, it depends on their situation. You know, there could be external factors that might make them overthink more than others. So I think that that's why it's sort of ambiguous. Like, yes, you and I happen to be pretty bad overthinkers most of the time, but, um, you know, for some people it might come and go or whatever. I think mine is more situational than like constant. Like I'm definitely in my head a lot, but I've gotten better over mm-hmm. the years about overthinking as I've gotten older for sure. Mm-hmm. But I did kind of appreciate at the beginning of her writing, she talks about trying to meditate and trying to do yoga and feeling like she wasn't doing it right. Cause her mind was still racing. And I thought that was funny because mm-hmm. that's totally how I always thought. And as a matter of fact, until I got the app headspace that kind of explains things similar to what she does or, Headspace mm-hmm. has like animations when you're looking at it and it shows a animated character kind of sitting by a freeway um, and mm-hmm. cars are driving by and they explain that your thoughts are like the cars and you can just let them drive by. Like you don't have to engage with them while you're trying to meditate. It's of course you're mm-hmm. going to have thoughts. It's impossible to not have thoughts. And once I realized that I was like, Oh, okay. I could, I could do this. Like, mm-hmm. but I always, my understanding was that it, that you're not supposed to have thoughts that you're supposed to have a clear mind, mm-hmm. but it's kind of teaching yeah. you focus. It's more having a clear mind because your focus is on something else besides those thoughts that are running through your head. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's funny. I was actually going to talk about headspace too. Um, wow, I, that's really, weird. I don't know. I don't know that you use headspace, but yeah, I was going to talk about how headspace, like um, they have those, exercises, particularly when it comes to sleeping, because I usually use headspace to fall asleep. Um, and they have those exercises that talks about how your brain, like, um, you know, as, as you're drifting, you should be focused on just counting to 10 over and over again, right? Counting to 10 with your Mm -hmm. breaths. And if you have a thought that interrupts that, that just simply acknowledge it as a thought until you can go back. So like, as your brain starts to think, you just think, I'm thinking, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And then once you think that, then you can just get back to the numbers and back to focusing on your breath. And it really helps you fall asleep. And it's sort of the same thing, right? You're, you're trying to distance yourself from the thoughts. So you're just acknowledging that's a thought that I had. And then going back to whatever you're supposed to be focused on. 
Yeah, I mean, who knew this was going to turn out to be an advertisement for Headspace? But um, <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, that's one thing. I've only done it a couple of times. And I think I, I got to the point where I like, okay, I'm not going to pay for it or whatever. I don't remember. But I just really appreciated the way they they have the animated drawings that you can visually see, but also just like the, just the analogies that they, the way they explain things was really helpful for me to come mm-hmm. to terms with what meditation really is and, mm-hmm. and how to make those adjustments. So mm-hmm. it was, it's, yeah, it's I mean, it, it is definitely a good way of putting it because I was also under the impression for a really long time that meditation means just an empty mind. Yeah. And, and it was the, once I realized that that's actually impossible for most people, I'm not going to say that everyone can't, but like, I have an inner, like even this lady in this article talks about her inner dialogue. Like I just, my inner Mm -hmm. dialogue is constantly talking to me. If I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's the right way to put it without me sounding like I'm crazy, but like, there's definitely something always running for sure. Yeah, me too. It's, it's pretty much exactly like she describes in the article. It's like a narrator, like just a constant, like narration of, whatever, whatever it is I'm focused on. Right. Yeah. Do you ever have conversations with someone where, because the narrator took you like through all these steps and you're like somewhere way far away and you have this non sequitur thing that you want to talk about now, like that you have to explain how you got there because it's just so, I have to do that with oh, that sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, I have, okay, I, I want to talk about Sean trains. All the time. Because... Sean also has to do it with me all the time because it goes so fast. Yeah. <laughs> Like, okay, this is a change of subject, but here's how I got here because mm-hmm. I know we were talking about this, but now I want to talk about this. Yep, exactly. <laughs> no, exactly the same. I and can tell you. Because, oh. Go ahead. I, I mean, I was just going to say, I know that not everyone thinks that way. Not everyone thinks with a voice in their head. Some people think in pictures and colors. And I mean, I don't know. People think in all sorts of different ways. I can't imagine what it would be like to not think in, I mean, some people don't even think in full sentences, right? Some people just think in like words. I don't is know. Like I, a need, book. I need more information about this. I read that article where the lady was talking about how she doesn't have an inner dialogue and my mind exploded. Like, I just don't even understand. <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people had that reaction because I don't know if I want to say that, I mean, I'm not, this is not something I've studied, right? I don't know if I want to say that it's more common to, to think in full sentences with like a narration like we do, but I mean, I don't know. I can't imagine any other way to think, but I'm sure that other people can't imagine thinking the way that we do either. I'm sure we sound crazy. That's what the article said. And I'll have to search for that because I didn't even think we were going to go there, but that's what she said. She was like shocked to hear that people had a narrator. Like what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You have a voice in your head. You sound crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And it, I remember after reading it, like I was asking everyone I know, like, do you have a narrator? Mm-hmm. Like, do you have a narrator? Like, I want to mm-hmm. know percentage and s- statistics on this anomaly because it's fascinating to me. Yeah, it really is. And I wonder if this article, you know, because I guess we should, we should maybe talk about what it actually says about like some more of the details about how to, you know, get over overthinking. Yes. Uh, but I wonder if something like that wouldn't work for someone who thinks a different way. Because pretty much everything this is talking about is like just a constant narration. If you don't have a constant narration going, then that then this doesn't really apply to you. But then what do you have? Are you an overthinker? If you think in images or words, do you have moments where there's nothing? You, can you just meditate and actually have a clear mind? Exactly. 
I don't know. Someone needs to tell us. Someone needs to respond to this and tell us. <laughs> we need answers. to get a scientist on this show. That's all there is to we it. We should. Jeez. <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah, this this lady, um, let me go back to her name. Jackie uh, basically says that she uh, felt trapped. She was, uh, her mind could start overthinking and it would unravel her. Um, she said she overlies, it felt exhausting. Yeah, I felt I like exhausting was a really good way of of putting it because it's I mean it's not physically exhausting but it's like mentally and emotionally exhausting. Yeah, I mean she gives some examples and I think she was definitely on the extreme level of overthinking, but the mm-hmm. one a warrior, main, definitely a warrior. Right. But I think definitely the main part of that was as far as parenting goes. I mean, I think she kind of says it's about she was that way about almost everything. But I feel like that happens to a lot of people. Like as soon as they have kids that happens, like the, like all of a sudden, or like any kind of impactful change to your experience, Mm -hmm. um, you can easily start overthinking and just get into that loop where now, now you see how quickly your world can change or how, how Mm -hmm. one thing can change your world. So then you start thinking about all the possibilities of things that can happen, if that makes sense, or Mm -hmm. all these different scenarios. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. And so her solution is kind of the same thing as headspace is that you let these thoughts run through and you have the power to choose which ones you engage with. And she does. I like that she mentions that it is, it's a habit. Like you have to work on it. It's not um, mm-hmm. an easy, it's not just like, a, Oh, I get to choose. Cause sometimes I feel like that's mm-hmm. overlying uh, without going into what work it is to develop that habit and to mm-hmm. strengthen uh, the focus on those things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I totally agree. I like too that she talked about how you know before she was she was a victim of her thinking. It was it was it was very victimizing because mm-hmm. you know she felt like this was happening to her. But then once she started to focus on choosing what thoughts she engaged with, it it was empowering. She, she no longer had sort of that feeling of being a victim of her own thoughts. It was, it was choosing what to engage with. I I like that as well, because it, it's important to, to feel, or to, I guess, just to realize that you have the control over the situation. Yeah. And she also, what she does that's good is talking about this overthinking often takes you to a negative place, right? when you're overthinking things, it's never a good story. I mean, not never, but it's not usually a good story that you're imagining. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like all the things that could go wrong or all the scenarios that how you look bad or, you know, it, it's just not ne- yeah. necessarily a positive. And she says that it can take you to a dark space. And so choosing also helped her um, kind of let go of that part, like just not engaging mm-hmm. with that to be lighter and not be in such a dark space. No, it's very true. And I think that that, um, I mean, it's, it's going to tie back to the parenthood stuff, right? Because after all, we are a family podcast, but I think that that's particularly important when it comes to the parental side of it. Right. Because, you know, you, you know, right now I'm, I'm a warrior, I'm an overthinker, you know, whatever. My brain usually goes to the worst case scenario, but I'm, I'm fine with it because I know that I'm worrying mostly just about myself and I can sort of control those outcomes a little bit more. But it must be very, very difficult. And I'm sure that I will see this when I have children as well. When you are worrying about, you know, this other being that is becoming an adult, 
that you can't control and the decisions that they make. Like I, I have no control over what it is that, like she said, like her daughter does, you know, that she, she has no control over her daughter's life at the end of the day, right? You raise them and then hope that they do the best. So focusing on those negative thoughts is going to get you nowhere. It's only going to lead to bad places. There's, there's zero positive outcome that could come from focusing on something like that. Well, because so it's, it's a little different when you're not a parent and you're just doing it to yourself. But if you don't flex that muscle and work on letting go of that overthinking now, it's going to be tenfold when you're in that situation where you have someone else to care about or to, to worry about. Yeah. I mean, and I think that leads to thing of fear-based parenting, right? When you Hmm. are trying to control and you're overthinking things. um, It's very true. And we talked about that a little bit. Yeah. We talked about that before. That's just never a good way to parent. Yeah. And in the article, she even used the words helicopter parent. Like it's, it's not a positive way to be. It doesn't, it doesn't help because you do have to remember, and I think this is a real, you know, something that's really important. You are not raising a child. You are raising an adult. Like you, no matter what age your kid is, you're raising them to be an adult and you're teaching them how to be an adult. That way, when, as they get older, you let go and let go and let go. Right. And give them the chance to put into practice what you've hopefully taught them. Well, you can't, you can't do that if you are leading them from a place solely of fear. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, how many movies have been written about this very topic? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I think too, helicopter parenting leads to not positive outcomes for the child, like anxiety or even Mm -hmm. rebelliousness. Like it, it's just Mm -hmm. hard. Resentment. They're so trying so hard to please you that they have anxiety and or they feel pressure. I don't know. A lot of Mm -hmm. a lot of different things can kind of happen with that. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, that's one of the things like I know with Danae, like I felt like, and I will say church leads you to believe this too. And I don't know if that's, that's not a negative at the church or not, whatever, however you want to take it, maybe it is, but it it leads you to believe (laughs) that on some level you can control what your children do. Right. Mm -hmm. And I definitely know that there were things that we, we, we tried to control her environment and like who she was around choices she was making, like help her make better choices or whatever, good choices, whatever. And some mm-hmm. things happened. And I had the realization that no matter how much effort I was spinning my wheels, because in the end she was going to find a way to do what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So there's only so many things I could control. And it was, I mean, that's why I was such a different parent with you and Becca, because I had learned that there's just, it's so stressful trying to control everything. Like it's so much effort and work and nobody's really happy. And then in the end, you're not really controlling anything. Either they're sneaking around and lying to you or they're, you know, like there's just, mm-hmm. or whatever. Like it's just, it, it's yeah. like from the minute your child is born, they're, you know, like if you put, just pretend you're in a room and one wall is you having control and the other wall is you not having control when they're first born, they're against the wall of control and then they're sprinting towards the wall of uncontrol. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's basically the analogy for raising children. It's just like, you can control the first bit and that's all you get. That's true. So You're not wrong. So you just have and to. And I mean, I think. 
it's not that you can't, I mean, like Sorry, you can help them still, but it's, it's just like trying to control it is different than communicating and letting them make their mistakes and like doing, you know, there's definitely different parenting styles. So that's not today's topic. Yeah. And I think like, to be clear, I don't want this to come across as like super judgmental, like, oh, we, we're just, we know all the keys to parenting and overthinking and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Like it's, it's a cycle, right? Like even the best parents are going to go through phases of overthinking and worrying and helicopter parenting and whatever, like it, it comes and goes because it, it's something that takes constant practice. There's no perfect parent. There's no perfect way to parent. Like it's, well, you know, and it does. Cause like, I mean, like I you were, just... you like a good example, you were a pretty hands-off parent, but like, as soon as I started to get a little wild, like you were there, like cracking the whip. Like, it's not like there is, it's, it's not a linear thing. Right. I guess that's yeah, what I'm trying to say. You, does that you make definitely sense? have to make adjustments. And, and, and that was the thing that Becca had a hard time understanding too. I think, cause sometimes she would be like, you like can't get away with murder. And like, it's not like, I don't know what you're doing, but like at the same time, I'm letting you kind of figure it out. It doesn't make me happy but neither is trying to fight with you and, and prove that I know that this was a lie when there's no way I can prove it. But I, you know what I mean? Like those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You bring this up all the time. It's like, you just want to keep reminding me that I got away with nonsense. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't feel like I bring it up all the time, but it has come up before. But I think too, like there was that phase where despite all my, no- all, all the things that I thought I was still trying to, I could see a road you were going down and I was trying to prevent you from it. So then it was like, I jumped into that control fear-based parenting mode. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, that, that we didn't get along at all. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I knew better, but mm-hmm. like, it just didn't work and you were still doing what you were doing and I was still trying to control it and nobody was happy. But I mean, that's exactly what I mean, right? Like, you know, I go on and on about how great of a mom you are, but like even the best parents are are going to practice fear-based parenting at one time or another. It's, it's inevitable. I mean, I think at the end of the day, so I don't, I, I just didn't want the, some of the stuff we were saying before to come across like, oh, if you're, if you're a helicopter parent or if you have ever had a moment of, you know, fear-based parenting, then you're a bad parent. Like I didn't want it to come across that way. Like we, I just wanted to make sure we acknowledge that like everyone's True. going to do that at some point. It's, yeah, it's inevitable. It's, it, it, we're it's, human. And this is part of it. Well, I mean, that's just the nature of parenting as well. Like you, one, we've, I mean, I feel like this is always, whenever we talk about parenting, it goes back to the same thing, but like one, you see all the potential your child has that they can't see, or like all the things, all their good qualities that maybe they can't see when they're going through their teenagers years. So there's that, like you mm-hmm. want them to be able to see what you see and, and live up to that. And then you see, maybe you can, as an adult, you can kind of see steps down the road, like, okay, they're making this choice, then that will probably, you know, and it's not, that's Mm -hmm. not even like overthinking it. That's just like facts from experience and exponential knowledge of how things work, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to boys or dating or whatever. So yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of where you, you start, you try to prevent the heartache or the, the, the consequences from choices that they're going to make. And it's just, technically it's fear-based parenting. Like you just can't do it because you want them to Mm -hmm. have a better, happier time than you did. I mean, I definitely know full well, I'm going to fall into that for sure of like just rolling. Like I can just already imagine myself like rolling my eyes, my daughter, like, you know, in high school, we're in love and (laughs) we're going to be together forever. And you can't, you know, telling me I have to be home by 10. It's just, it's going to ruin my night or my life or whatever, you know, dramatics. (laughs) 
because I, I was so that kid and I felt those feelings and it was just so consuming. And now I'm almost 30, just like, oh my God, I was so stupid. But not only was I stupid, but like, I don't want my child to do that. Like, you know, whatever. I think sometimes that's what's hard too. It's like, you know how your kid sees you and you, you want them to understand, but you also know what you have to do as a parent. So it's Mm -hmm. like a conundrum. Like you're stuck. Like you're like, I'm being the parent that I never thought I would be, but also Mm -hmm. I'm trying to save you from your, from being the daughter that I was or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, exactly. It's like save you from the heartache. Have you, you know, I'd rather have you spend your time doing something that's going to mean more in the long run. Like those are all the, the, the traps that I can see my mind getting caught in. And ultimately it's going to lead to the same place, right? It's going to lead to my child being angry with me. And I just, I don't see how I'm going to avoid it. Like, even though I'm sitting here saying that it's going to happen and I shouldn't do it, I, I know it's going to like, there's just, I am who I am. (laughs) I don't know. I don't, I don't see myself being able to prevent it. Hopefully my significant other will be able to help smooth me out. I think that's really all one can hope for. Right. Yeah, but there's also that thing about parenting that you can't, like, overthinking and, and, and being totally based on fear is one thing, right? Like there, But then there's also the thing of you do know what's best and you do have to keep them safe and you do, um, you are teaching them to be good adults and, like, make the best foundation that they can for when they are going to be adult. So there is some of that just knowledge that, you know, your child's going to think you're basing it off of what you're afraid of, but you're doing it based on knowledge and, you know, percentages and statistics that you have. Um, Mm -hmm. And and you have to, you have to have rules and make them do those things and be the enforcer. So it just, oh, it just, parenting is not fun when kids are in high school and they don't want to do it especially <laughs> when you raise independent children <laughs> yeah I mean it. you've said that many times before and it's it's always so true yeah mm. it's, it's it's pretty um interesting it is good to have um someone that balances you out or helps you you know kind of do that it, that's why being a single sure. parent teenagers has got to be the worst because there's no one to share that weight with, you know, you can't say, okay, mm-hmm. I'm tired of being the bad guy. You're going to have to go be the bad guy today. You know, like mm-hmm. I can't have this conversation. You, you just have yourself. Again. Yeah. Hey, yeah. shout out to all the single parents out there though. I mean, that is, Oof, that yeah. is a full-time job in and of itself. No matter whether you have one child or 10, it doesn't matter. That is, that is a task. For sure. And the, um, the other thing I was thinking about while we were talking too, is just, how um how easy it is to just want to be your child's friend like and there's such a fine line between having open communication and talking about things and explaining why you're doing what you're doing whether they want to hear it or not and Mm -hmm. then being a parent who's a friend with like no rules because you just don't want to be the parent you you didn't like when you were a teenager like it's, it's such a it's all kind of a big dance and fine line and one day you're one thing and one day you're the next thing because you're just trying to find what works mm-hmm. especially if you are trying to find what works for that child like if you're trying to like adjust your parenting to like get through a reason with them I guess I don't know reasons the mm-hmm. right word but you know find the the thing that that garners more co- cooperation mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, and that's know. the thing those parenting books don't tell you. I mean, some of them are okay, but a lot of them, it's just like, here's the one way to parent. And it's like, it doesn't, <laughs> you can't do, you can't one way it. parent with like, you know, more than one child because they're all different. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are and certain they tried and true time things goes on too. I mean, yeah. Shoot. So I don't know. I wish I had all the answers. And I think that and that's, just sit here and be I a think parenting that's why guru. paying attention to your kids too. Is so important. Like, you know, that sounds so stupid, but like, you know, really, you really have to know your kids and get to know them over and over again constantly, because as they grow and change and develop, you need to know what's the best way I'm going to get through to them. Yeah. It's really hard to know that, or to even realize when you're in the thick of it, especially if you have more than one, that, that what worked with this one, isn't going to work with that one. And to like be willing to try mm-hmm. something different. Cause maybe this is more your parenting style. And now with mm-hmm. your, your second child, you find that that's not working. So, okay, let me try this. Like that's, that's a really hard concept, you know, because it, you feel like, like the military, like this is what we do. This is how the rules are. Mm-hmm. This is how it's going to work. And it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't always work that way. I don't know. That's true. It's very true. But, I mean, I think. I mean, I think that's where education comes in. Like, it's okay to tell your kids, you don't know, you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to help them the best you can. Mm -hmm. I I think that's kind of makes the difference between even just being a helicopter parent. Like I'm jumping in here because I'm scared. Like if you could communicate that with them, Mm -hmm. I don't don't know. Some people really struggle with that vulnerability though. Well, especially with your kids, because there are children that will pounce on your vulnerability and eat you alive. Sure. There, I mean, there are adults that'll do that too. Shoot. That's exactly. That's, that's so, another part of being human, right? And yeah. And vulnerability is a thing that we don't really practice in, anymore anyways, unless you're a strict follower of Brene Brown. That's true. You know, we should, <laughs> uh, we should do a whole episode on vulnerability. Yeah. It sounds I think great. We've, talked, we've tossed that around or touched on it, but I don't think we've ever actually done one. Huh? Maybe we have, and I'm just confusing myself. I don't know. If we have, we should do it again. <laughs> I don't think we have specifically, at least. I don't think so. I think it's just, we've just touched on it, talked about it with other stuff. It ties yes. in a lot. For sure, for sure. Uh, so we should probably get back to the tiny Buddha post. Uh, I think <laughs> basically she just says, in the end, she just kind of says she started acknowledging when, like in reference to parenting, like when those negative or when those overthinking things would happen and she would just mm-hmm. let them happen, but she wouldn't latch on to any one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just started being able to sleep uh, when her daughter was out and just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, like how, how it, she just uses that one example as the theme, like how it, how it can make such a big change. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool. Why do you think it is yeah. that when we tell ourselves stories or when we overthink, it's always negative? Like, why don't we, like, I have never like overthought like, oh my gosh, this is going to be, I guess some people do, but like, I've never overthought a positive, not that I can think of. I mean, maybe like with a vacation, like this is going to be the best vacation or whatever. I'm trying to think of a scenario I, where because I, I don't would... really think that that's overthinking. I think that if we think positive things, we don't dwell on them in that same way. There's no need to. But when we're negative, when when it when we think about something bad, we're thinking about all the possible negative outcomes. 
Yeah, but it's interesting. Like even in right, even you're, you're this, telling the same situation over and over through your head, right? That's why it's overthinking because you're you're sort of ripping it apart or looking at it from different angles. You don't yeah. do that positively because it's just good. You look at it the one time, maybe twice, and then you're 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 done because it it was a good thing. Like you, you don't don't look a gift horse in the mouth, right? Like there's a whole yeah expression for it. Like you just a good thing happened, and now I will go on with my life. Yeah, I mean, and that's, may, may, uh, maybe, or even imagining it's, a good it's scenario. it's overthinking versus obsessing, right? Like, if you are, if it's a positive thing, you're like, you're obsessing about it. Like, I overthink about Marvel. I think about Marvel constantly, right? Like, I'm, I'm so into the lore, but that's not overthinking. That's just, I'm passionate about it. I'm obsessive about it. It goes hmm. to my mind all the time, you know, but that's, that's different. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but that might be a good subject for an episode two is just like to talk about expectations and how that affects outcomes. I mean, they're closely linked, mm -hmm. right? Because I think that's kind of what I'm thinking of is like, if you have really good expectations, you don't overthink about it. You just kind of let that go. Like, oh, this is going to be good. But then mm -hmm. uh, if it's not, if it's not that, then you start overthinking about why it's not that, what happened, what went wrong. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was just that you had too much of an expectation. Anyways, mm -hmm. I digress. I'm overthinking about all this. <laughs> <laughs> or overthinking about overthinking. Yeah. Ugh, it's such a know. trap. How do you avoid it? <laughs> no, I don't know. But I just, I, I never really thought about that when you're overthinking and rehashing. It's like never positive. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a... The weird thing that we do to ourselves, the stories we tell, you know, it's true. Um, and that's why how we tell our stories, our inner dialogue is so important. Yeah. I wonder if people have just like, uh, if there are some people that have like totally positive inner dialogue back to the, I mean, and I don't know, inner dialogue, narrator, whatever, like some, one that's totally positive. Maybe that's something you can change with constant positivity. I don't think so. I mean, maybe a higher percentage of positivity, but I don't think it's possible to have 100% positive because that's just not human. Like, to be human is to be both. Yeah, that's true. Not 100%, but even more, I think that, the, the tendency is to be negative. Mm -hmm. No, I think there are definitely people that have more of a positive outlook. I think that, I mean, I think that a lot of people have that and, you know, maybe through life events either end up becoming more negative as, you know, life goes on and maybe some shit happens or as bad you know, difficult things, whatever happened to someone, they choose constantly or choosing over and over again to think positively, do positive things, focus on the positive things. I like to think that I used to be one of those people who I used to be way more positive than I am now. But these last four years have been <laughs> uh, a little bit changing for that for me. And not just because of politics, but just a lot I mean, of stuff. Well, it does coordinate with the four years. <laughs> I, I mean, that definitely played a part of it. Don't get me wrong. But up, 
that wasn't until really the last two years, I would say that, that, that my hope for this country really sort of went away. But before that, I mean, it was just, it was just, it was a rough four years. I mean, I went through a lot these last four years. Yeah. So that's right. Because you, um, 2016, you were in a relationship and planning to get married. Have we talked about that on the podcast? Are we not talking about that? We did. Well, it was, um, the very, it ended in the very beginning of 2016, like, like the very beginning of 2016, mm-hmm. like March, so before, February, yeah, January, but, but like, like right, right around there be, before we voted in November. But so, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of all coincides. It, it just, yeah, it, it really was like, like 2015 was a phenomenal year for me. And then 2016 just started off like, koosh, 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 like bad thing happened, bad thing happened, bad thing happened. Like it was like back to back to back. Yeah. And I stuck on to my positivity as long as I could, but it really wasn't until these last like two years that it's really just started to, to ebb away, even just in my mental voice. I it's think, hard. um, I'm a very positive person and I think I've definitely had a shift with all that's going on, but, um, I don't know if I'm necessarily negative as much as I am just, I don't know, is broken the word is just like reevaluating my worldviews. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say like, I I feel like I'm positive, but not necessarily hopeful, which seems contradictory, Mm -hmm. but I feel like that's probably the best way of explaining it. I feel like that may, that might work for me too. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And especially like it's, it's hard because (laughs) I mean, I know that I have a great life. Like I don't have anything to complain about. So like the, the, the problems that I have are feeling empathy and wanting to do something to change things because other people don't have a great life. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I don't ever feel guilty about what I have because I, I, I worked really hard to get where I am and I went through a whole lot of shit to get where I am. So like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel guilt, but I do feel like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just wanting more, especially for someone like for me, I consider myself extremely patriotic. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot going on. <laughs> and, yeah. And, you know, summary, we, we, right? we didn't really talk about it, but where I live uh, here in California was one of the places where I think in my city, 200 people lost their homes to the California wildfires. Um mm-hmm we didn't have to evacuate. We were really lucky because we live on the other side of town and then the fires we almost did, but mm-hmm. um, cause it did jump onto the side, but yeah. So just between the fires, the COVID, the politics, uh, black people being killed. Uh, and now you add Chas- Chadwick Boseman dying. Uh, Tragic. Just terrible uh, emotional stuff. And yeah. I have a friend. It's been I don't a really know if I told rough you this. Year. Yeah, I have a friend that uh, lives on the other side of town by where the fires are, but she 
she kind of dedicated herself to like posting all, anytime someone said they were missing an animal from the fires, anytime mm-hmm. someone said they found an animal from the fires, she was like posting it to try to, you know, in the hopes of having them find each other, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made me so emotional. Like I was just like, I can't see this anymore, you know, because so mm-hmm. many people were woken up in the middle of the night and had to evacuate. So just as a point of reference for our listeners, like people think that you would get notification. And from everything I understand from everyone who was over on that side of town, like at 1130, there was no wind and the fire wasn't very close at two 30 in the morning. People got, if they had a home phone, especially if they lived in the country, they got a phone call and they got text messages. And I have no idea how they know when you're in the area, but I don't know if they just do GPS tracking or what, but they got text messages they had to evacuate right now. And it's yeah, really it's, crazy. It's, it's scary. It's crazy because one, I don't know that I would wake up from a text message, but also like all those people that a lot of them live in the country and animals, they couldn't get them. So they like my friend who had to evacuate. Yeah. Cause your animals they, just have like free range, right? Like a, a lot of the times your animals, yeah, they just who knows open, where they might be. They just had to open the gate to the pasture and leave. Like that was it. And it's funny because she said she woke up and was like, how bad could it be? And looked out of her sliding glass door and it was just like, she couldn't see flames, but it was just like all orange coming up over the hill to her house. Like just like she knew it was like right there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And it's Uh, what the second, third year in a row that that's happened in Vacaville. um, Well, we've had smaller fires, but this one was pretty big. This is the first year that we've, Last year we had like one or two homes get burned from a wildfire. That was just like a small one. Mm. Um, this is pretty intense. Mm. And uh, it was, and one of the things was it was like headed straight for the downtown area. I mean, like not really, but like it wasn't usually the out, homes out in the country, you know, cause we have a lot of Hills though. That's what gets in danger. Uh, but this mm-hmm. was like, uh, headed like it where the main housing area was which was right next to downtown i mean technically mm-hmm. right next to a couple miles of housing to get to downtown so yeah it's just been really uh crazy time and i still don't know how many of those people have found their animals or didn't find their animals or what but seeing all that was even just like completely distressing and trying to figure out where to take donations because one day people are taking donations the next day they've had too many and the next day they're like, well, we need this donation and changes all the time. (laughs) Yeah. So just like wanting to help and trying to figure it out and being Mm -hmm. emotionally distraught because of everything else. It's it's a lot. And just hearing, you know, like, uh, about people's stories. We have a lot of patients that come into my work and they're, you know, evacuated or lost their homes or, you know, whatever. And it's just Mm -hmm. heart wrenching been tough times tough times over here in uh california i heard today um i have a friend so today is september 3rd of 2020 uh, that lives in alabama and they had an earthquake like they don't have earthquakes there the world's up they did down. i didn't know that yeah she just sent me a text yeah, saying well, climate change is real <laughs> and it's affecting us it's crazy so. and then um i was gonna go to tahoe this weekend because it's the holiday and someone said oh they have fleas with the plague up there they just test some fleas some some person has the plague 
And so they figured out it's from fleas. They've tested fleas and fleas have the plague. This is not a joke. It's 100% real. Well, and so many people go to Tahoe because they have way less mass restrictions and stuff on the Nevada side. Like, you shouldn't go there. I don't know what you were thinking. I would have slapped you silly if you told me that. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't have gone out socially at all. I would have just gone to my hotel room and I would have sanitized. Then why go? Because I need fresh. Because I would, I would really like some fresh air. I don't know if you realize this, but I'm covered in smoke every day. Still, come to come to see me in San Francisco. (laughs) That's that. I was going to talk to you about that when we're done recording. Um, And then uh, let's discuss it now. (laughs) Our audience doesn't want to hear us discuss our plans for a holiday weekend that, by the time this is edited and aired, will have passed. (laughs) So. But yeah. So, anyways, I there just, are fleas I was, with the plague in Tahoe is what I'm taking from this. Yeah, let's get back to the facts of which plague? Bubonic. Oh, isn't that the only plague? When they say the plague, isn't that the only one they're talking about? I don't know. I thought that there was two. <laughs> Maybe, but um, I'm fairly certain when I read the news article, it said bubonic. But let me look real cool. That sounds awful. And they were saying like dogs can get it. So then I'm like, okay, note to self, dogs are, you know, obviously because they can away carry the fleas. Yeah, bubonic yeah. plague. Fleas with bubonic. This is from a news channel. Oh my God. Um, 2020 is one hell of a ride. It is not for the weary. Fight through. Then why is Trump energy. still here? <laughs> uh, stop it. I guess the year's not over yet. There's still hope, <laughs> <little bit>, everybody. <sighs> uh, speaking of um, politics, we should talk about how hard it is to figure out what the heck we're going to talk about because we don't want to be too lighthearted and like act like we're ignoring all that's going on in the world, but we also don't have the mental energy to talk about heavy stuff. Obviously today we succeeded um, in finding a medium sized topic, but we're just like, as we get, we have our meetings and schedule, what we're going to talk about. We're like, "Eh, I don't think I can handle that. Or sometimes we have something scheduled and we'll be like, yeah, I can't talk about that today. It's too hard. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of, and I think that that's why overthinking probably appealed to both of us because there's so much to think about right now. (laughs) There's, it's there's so much happening every day is some new shit and <laughs> it's hard not to focus on that it's hard to I have wake up your and brain I'm like, shut oh, off what fresh hell is today gonna be like what's gonna be the new I'm thing I'm always the person I look at my phone before bed I look at my phone in the morning not like anything crazy but like I go on tumblr I go on instagram or like whatever to like you know socialize I've I've had to stop that completely because it's impossible to sleep when you're trying to just scroll and look at memes and like news alerts are popping up and tweets are popping up. That's like bad news bears. And then <laughs> like fleas the with morning, the rubonic plague. <laughs> just, exactly. And then in the morning I I've, I've started to give myself like, you know, some time before I dive right back into that. Like assuming I don't have to work or is there, you know, I, I have to make yeah. sure that uh, work is like my store is fine if I'm not there. Other than that, it's like, I have to, I, I have to give myself that distance. And I've never been that person. I've never been that person, but it's just yeah, so that. much right now. Well, and that's the thing for me too. Like I, for a while, like when I didn't have to work, I would have a cup of coffee or whatever and sit outside 
and drink and like, I don't know, write my journal, read a book, like whatever, just like part of my morning routine. Well, there's some fires. <laughs> smoke, <laughs> smoke yeah. has been, I haven't, I'm just like, that's why I was like, we have to get away. I need to get outside. Like even outside dining, if I wanted to do it somewhere, nope, not, not happening. So yeah, it's just, it just really uh, made like the COVID restrictions even worse by like, I can't even really go outside. We haven't even had our windows. And one mm-hmm. night dad opened the window. Cause he's like, I think the smoke is gone. And in the middle of the night, he wears a CPAP. So it, was, it wasn't bothering him at all. In the middle of the night, I was like, because I couldn't, Jeez. I had to get up and shut it. Like it was terrible. Like I had to get up and take allergy medicine and drink some water, but like I could just feel everything on my throat, like seizing and itching. And it was just, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been fun. I love 2020. I just heard a song on the radio, like I'm low key F2020, low key F2020. Yeah, that's what it says. This this is a good song. It's not really a good song, but I'm just like low key F2020. I think it's true. That line is good. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. What did I, what was I singing earlier? Instead of everything is awesome from Legos. Everything, everything is awful. awful. <laughs> It is. It's awful. It's so true. I need to write some lyrics for that. Oh, man. Yeah, you should. And just think, we still have to get through November. And I don't, I, I don't have any positive. We're not talking about that right now, mom. We're not talking about that right now. (laughs) What are you doing right now? And then people want to talk about Halloween. I'm like, Halloween, there's no Halloween. You can't have Halloween and COVID. How are you going to have Halloween? I got to get out of here. I'm not handing out you my You dress Oreos. up in your living room and put up, put on lights and wa- listen to Monster Mash on repeat. That's what you do. That's all yeah. you can do. I'm going away. I'm going to be in Tahoe with the fleas. You better not. We're supposed, we're supposed to be in Tahoe that week. Anyways, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> all right. Let's go. Uh, all right. Well. On that note. On that note, we'll put a link to this little article in the shows, and we'll also try to find, what was the other thing I said I was going to try to find? Oh, I'll put a link to Headspace in there as well. Yes, so but that's not what we you said. We didn't say you're... that. That was my said, inside said... narrator. <laughs> it was the, um, the article about um, different types of like voices in your head. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good. We did say something we were going to try and find. See? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait, maybe that was just my inside voice telling me to find the Headspace link. But all right. Well, uh, I'm going to hit stop recording. Bloop, bloop, bloop. If you like Grown Up and Grounded, please leave us a review on whatever platform you're using. This will help other people find our podcast. As always, we want to give a big shout out to Dave Depper, who provides the music we use in our episodes. The song you're listening to is titled Can Can 2, and we got it from the Free Music Archive. You can check out Dave at davedepper.com. <laughs>